0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Expectation. Trusting and having faith that love awaits us wherever we roam. Herod the Great, Roman king of Judea, was there, he was, but love was not on his agenda. After all, he did execute one of his wives and three of his children. So what difference would one more execution really make? At the very least, Jesus' birth shook the status quo. But could a tiny baby really be the catalyst for the murder of all the infants in Bethlehem? King Herod was most certainly initiated, he's the one who initiated the massacre in an attempt to get rid of baby Jesus. But where was God in all of this? Could a truly good God permit such terrorism, saving one innocent and leaving all the others to die? Could God not have spared them all? Surely the other fathers of the Bethlehem victims deserved a night visit from the angel of the Lord, right? After all, they had faith. This week's scripture is from Matthew 2:13 to 23. The escape to Egypt. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during one night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that <clears throat> he had been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious, <clears throat> and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, vis- 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 <laughs> the surrounding area, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then when then, what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The return to Nazareth. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So, what do you think this story is really saying about our benevolent God?
1: Did a nice job, didn't I? (laughs) Took me years to figure out how to nicely wrap a package. However... Because my wife is present, um, I didn't wrap it. In fact, she didn't even wrap it. It's a it's a box, and this is the lid of the box. Life has become so much more convenient. All I have to do now is go to a store and buy a gift box, and then put it, the box together, which is just kind of unfolding it all, and then I can take this box and make it look like a nicely wrapped Christmas present. And that is really the essence of what we want out of life, isn't it? Especially around Christmas. We want life to be neatly packaged, neatly wrapped and during Christmas, of all times, this is to be a time of festivity where we look at Christmas gifts and they make us feel good. And then we act shocked when someone gives that to us. Oh, me? So all of this comes into play around Christmas time. And especially when you go to church during the Christmas season. I mean, church during Christmas, we have the decorations. We have the music. It's supposed to be full of joy and love and kindness and compassion. I mean, if we're really honest, of all the services, during December, Christmas is a time when we want a G-rated church service. I mean, maybe, maybe PG, but definitely not PG-13 or R-rated. We want when we leave here during Christmas season, in fact, if we're honest, every Sunday, we want to feel good. We want to feel better than when we came in. Spoiler alert. There's a real good possibility that when you leave here, you won't feel like this package. In fact, instead of feeling good about life, you might actually feel a sense of frustration. You might feel conflicted inside. You might be discouraged. And again, as a minister, I understand that that is not what I'm supposed to do on Sundays during Christmas season. And I didn't plan on this. But I did make a mistake. I decided to go back and look at our founding minister's sermons during Advent. And I particularly chose the year 1982. And so the sermons that I have been preaching last week and today are based upon this Advent series that was preached almost 40 years ago. But I didn't want to just take them and shift them over and just preach that sermon. I wanted to make it my own. So when I came to this week's sermon that was preached 40 years ago, it left me feeling quite conflicted inside. It was a sermon I could not resonate with. Because I kept going back to a verse. It's almost like this verse continued to draw me back to it. It's almost as if this verse was saying, don't neglect me, Tony. Don't take the easy route out and ignore me. Be honest with yourself and with those who you will talk with on Sunday. And again, that verse is verse 16 in Matthew chapter 2 when it says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and its vicinity (laughs) from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. I couldn't walk away from that, and I tried. The reason why I couldn't walk away with it is because... The writer wanted it to be heard in the midst of the birth of Jesus. Now, there are some individuals who, when they read this story, they see it as a historical, factual event. They truly believe that King Herod, who on all accounts was a, was a ruthless man, as Janelle shared with us, They believe that this literally took place. And I have a problem with that. So I kept reading and trying to figure out why individuals would be okay with that. And one minister I read about said the following. He was asked the question in his blog, Why did God allow Herod to kill innocent babies? Here's his answer. Well, we might as well ask why God didn't stop Hitler, Stalin, or others who have killed many innocent babies and innocent individuals. The world is reverberating with the results of our culture's sin. And none of us are innocent of sin God allows the natural consequences of sin to be felt so we can be aware that something is radically wrong with humanity, so that we can realize our wrong path, repent, and allow God to change us. If God simply erased all pain, which is the result of sin, we would never realize how deadly sin is, and we would never look for God's solution. Now, there are people who find a great deal of comfort in that. I used to. And there are times when I wish I could, because I used to believe that God allows sin to be manifested and to work its way out but then when i really begin to contemplate it i realized that i had a passive god a god who at times will intervene and then at other times is passive it's almost as if his his hands are tied Or God chooses not to intervene. And according to this view, what takes place is that God chooses not to intervene so that humanity can see its sinfulness. The problem I have with that, however, is that in this story, God being passive results in the death of innocent children. They didn't know how to sin. Now, if you believe they were born with original sin, that's a whole nother question. But a child, an infant, to say that that child has to die so that we can be aware of sin in our world and turn back to God creates a lot of challenges for people. Because why would they turn back to that kind of God? That's why some people walk away from Christianity and are more comfortable claiming to be agnostics or atheists, because this is the image of God that they are not comfortable with. They ask the question, if God was able to forewarn Joseph, why not all the other fathers? Is not God responsible if you take the story literally that God sends his son, and it is that action which actually creates the death of these innocent children? And therefore, is not God responsible for that? And yet God will save Jesus— but allow the slaughter of innocents. One individual I read who has real difficulty with his story said that if you take it literally, oh, sorry about that, if you take it literally, what it does is it actually creates a dilemma for Jesus. He asked, he said, imagine how Jesus must have felt when he heard this story. And that was his birth that ended up causing the death of perhaps his cousins, his friends, potential friends, that all of this was because he was born. He said, you're talking about a case of PTSD. You're talking about a case of survivor remorse. So this individual said, I can't accept this story as being literal. And there's other reasons why scholars have a difficulty with this story. And so if you have difficulty with this story in this image of God one of the things you can do is look at the story as a myth. And there are many people that believe that by looking at this story as myth, while it may not teach us facts, it still teaches us truths. For example, the writer, they say, creates this story in order that we, as individuals, might be able to identify Jesus with Moses. There's a story in Exodus where it says that Pharaoh, he looked around at the Hebrews and realized that they were continuing to multiply. They were becoming a very large population, and with that growth came a threat. Because if you have a group of people who are slaves and they end up end up outgrowing the regular population, you could have problems. So Pharaoh, the story says, came up with the idea of killing all the baby boys. And Moses is saved in Egypt from Pharaoh in a miraculous way. And that's why some people see this as a myth, a story that is to teach us that Jesus is the second Moses, a type of Moses. It's written by Matthew to an audience that is Jewish. Some people think that Matthew is anti-Semitic because he's actually playing down the value of their religion and saying that Jesus has taken its place. And that's why some people, because of God, and seeing God in that way, they believe the story is a myth. There are other individuals who see this story as a myth, and they believe the truth that it is teaching us is that when a person enters into our world, and they have this idealistic sense of being, that they live a life that is rooted in values and principles that seem to transcend just mere humanity. We, sent, we look at them as, if you would, children of God. Those individuals appear to be a threat to those in power in humanity. That's why they say this story is told is that the birth of Jesus was a threat to King Herod, to the Roman Empire, to those who were misusing and abusing the power that was given to them. And instead of serving the people, they allowed the people to serve them and their needs. So you have two ways of looking at this story. You can look at it as a literal historical event or you can see it as a myth. Neither one really works for me because neither one really addresses the big issue, which for me is, what do you do with God? Why, either as a myth Or seeing it literally, why would you imagine that God would save only one person and allow all these other innocents to die? The reality is we don't have to look back 2,000 years to see this truth. Remember this last week in Michigan? six, seven young teenagers died. Why wasn't that stopped? If God is all-powerful, if God is all-knowing, why didn't God intervene? Why didn't God cause the gun to jam or change that young man's mind to make him less inclined to do this terrible act. The thing is, innocent people are dying all the time. Innocent children, while they may not be being massacred by people in power here in the United States, we do know that abuse continues to persist in our society and in this country the odds are that one of you in this space or more was abused as a child. Why does that happen? Why does God allow that to occur? The reality is I can't give you an easy answer. I can't wrap it up nicely like this gift. And this is where it is very frustrating for me as a minister, because I don't have an answer for you. I could come up with one, I could try to sell you one, But I have to be honest with you. So instead, I will share with you how I have been able to go forward in my life at this point with those kind of questions. It's twofold. Number one, life is messy it's unkempt it's dirty it's just the way it is and number two perhaps that is a mystery that we are left with and we're not to solve and perhaps God is a mystery. And as human beings, we have tried for thousands of years to try to figure God out. But maybe there are times when we just have to accept that God is mysterious. But there is a little bit of good news in the midst of all of this. As you and I are alive. We can be here for each other. We may not be able to give the answers to each other. But when terrible things happen, like happened recently to a family, I did their funeral yesterday their 29-year-old son accidentally overdosed on fentanyl. And to be able to be there, to listen, to be present, maybe that is the essence of Christianity. It's not having all the answers not having everything figured out, but being able to live a life of love and compassion for other human beings, so that when they go through a tough time, you can be there for them. We don't have to fix the world, folks. All we have to do is be aware of the people that come into our lives and just treat him with love and compassion. Perhaps that is the greatest story that exists. Maybe that's the good news of Christmas, is that we follow the life of Jesus, and we try to emulate that. I apologize if I was the Debbie Downer today. But the reality is we need to be honest with ourselves and with those that we come in contact with. And out of that honesty will come a richness that we are here to support one another. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online-giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.